Please pray with me. You, Lord God, are the Alpha and Omega. You are the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You are exceedingly good and faithful. Your divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. As we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, continue to deepen our knowledge of our majestic King Jesus. Use me, your humble servant, to proclaim the absolute truth of your word. This I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. What is filling your mind right now? Would you say it is more filled with the ways and worries of the world or with the solid truths of God's word? Greek philosopher Aristotle coined the phrase, nature abhors a vacuum, which expresses the idea that unfilled spaces go against the laws of nature and physics and that every space needs to be filled with something. Although scientists have since proven there are exceptions to the rule, it definitely applies to the life of a believer. Many believers, especially those new in the faith, are biblically illiterate. Their minds are empty of biblical truth. Lacking knowledge of the fundamentals of biblical doctrine they are very susceptible to false teachers teaching false doctrine. Indeed, when a false doctrine is introduced, no red flags are raised, no warning signals go off. Too many Christians today fail to know, study, and apply the truth of God's word. This failure creates a vacuum waiting to be filled with the message of false teachers who lie and preach immorality. These teachers succeed because their message is more palatable to the ways of this world, to the hunger of sinful flesh, and to what itching ears want to hear. Peter was well versed in the Old Testament where this was a frequent problem for God's people. False prophets and false teachers repeatedly caused them to stumble into idolatry and apostasy. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter continues to combat false teaching with God's absolute unchanging truth. After taking us up to a literal mountaintop experience that revealed the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, he plunges us back down into the reality of our depraved and fallen world by revealing the wickedness of false teachers. Unlike the message of the apostles, their message is a cleverly devised myth. Are you and I equipped to recognize it as such? Peter writes to equip us to stand firm, established and unshakable in our faith. He warns of the judgment awaiting all who reject God's truth to embrace false teaching. 
and he continues to underscore the importance of knowledge, specifically knowledge of the beautiful person of Jesus Christ. The truth we will examine in 2 Peter chapter 2 is that a deep knowledge of Christ guards against destructive false teaching. We have two divisions, false faith and false freedom. Our first division is false faith, 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through the first part of verse 10. If you'll open your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Now, as we open to this chapter of 2 Peter, Peter gives us a clear and terrifying description of what will happen to the false teachers and those who fall prey to their lies. He warns of the destruction that awaits them. Look at verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Second Peter chapter 1 ended with the following statement. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. When chapter 2 opens with the word, but, it links us to this verse on the origins of biblical prophecy. This is what is true about God's prophecy. But false prophets arose among the people. Be warned. He goes on to say that there will also be false teachers among God's people. These false teachers will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Peter uses the word secretly because their message is subtle and often hard to detect as false. Warren Wearsby notes that false teachers simply lay their false teachings alongside the truth and give the impression that they believe the fundamentals of the faith. Before long, they remove the true doctrine and leave their false doctrine in its place. Satan is the father of lies and of false teachers. His message always masquerades as light, mimicking the truth of God's word. False teaching sounds true because it's a slight twist or variation of God's word. Those who do not have a firm grasp on the foundational truths and doctrines of the Bible are susceptible to taking the bait of false teachers. Such teachers lead their followers deeper and deeper into their lies until God's truth is unrecognized or rejected. Their lies are heresy. That is a theological doctrine or system rejected as false by church authorities. Ultimately, heresy aims to destroy God's truth. In the last part of verse 1, Peter refers to heresies that include the denial of Christ himself. He says that they are 
even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Now, this does not refer to Christians losing their salvation. The Bible is clear that this is not possible. Anyone who departs the Christian faith is demonstrating that he or she was never truly a Christian. Their faith was a false faith. A popular fad today is faith deconstruction. Wikipedia defines it as a Christian phenomenon where people unpack, rethink, and examine their belief systems. This may lead to dropping one's faith altogether or may result in a stronger faith. Sadly, in all the cases I have seen, it leads to deconversion, a word now used for apostasy or a falling away from the faith. These people want a God of their own creation who rubber stamps or falls in line with their version of truth. This is not new. Peter addresses the heresies plaguing the early church because they were so severe that they included even a denial of Christ himself. Peter says this results in swift destruction not sweet deconstruction. Those who are not in Christ are headed to eternal damnation, hell, no matter what they declare their truth to be. Who do you know that is ensnared by this false teaching? Pray fervently for them, my friends. In verses 2 and 3, Peter continues to describe the heretical way of the false teachers. He says, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Once people empty their minds of the absolute truth of God's word or fail to fill their minds with his truth. A vacuum remains. It is easily filled with false teaching that glorifies sin instead of God. This is what Peter speaks of with the word sensuality. We must keep our minds filled with God's truth. A deep knowledge of Christ guards against destructive false teaching. Not only are false teachers morally wicked and sexually perverted, they are also greedy or covetous. In verse 3, Peter points to this sure sign of a false teacher. Greed for money, power, and prestige. Their greed motivates their false words. Lies which blaspheme the way of truth or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says this leads to their condemnation and their destruction. Verses 4 through 9 are one long sentence in the original Greek and includes several Old Testament illustrations to show that the Lord reserves the wicked for judgment. 
but preserves the righteous. Note that God is the one who does the saving or the rescuing of the righteous. Listen for the word if in verses 4 through 8 and then in verse 9. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. In verse 4, Peter speaks of angels who sinned against God and were cast into hell where they are chained to gloomy darkness until the day of judgment. They are commonly referred to as fallen angels. Satan is a fallen angel. More accurately, he is a cast out angel since God cast him out of heaven for his prideful sin of wanting God's throne for himself. Revelation chapter 12 teaches that when he was cast out of heaven, he took with him one-third of the heavenly host, angels who are now unclean spirits or demons. Peter says of these angels, If God punishes the angels, surely he will punish the wickedness around us. The second illustration is in verse 5. Peter speaks of Noah and the destructive judgment of the flood, which wiped out every human being except a small remnant, Noah and his family. The account of Noah shows us that God's judgment comes swiftly and unexpectedly according to his timetable. Yet God is faithful to preserve the righteous. Verses 6 through 8 refer to, this, to the destructive judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah and the preservation of one righteous man, Lot. In Lot's day, people were engaged in the same type of immoral behavior being condoned by the false teachers. Their sexual sin and gross immorality earned God's just judgment. And if destructive judgment is sure and swift for the wicked, while the righteous are spared, then, look at verses 9 through the first part of verse 10, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under judgment, under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. 
Peter ends this section with two conclusions. First, Peter has proven that God is faithful to preserve his people through their trials. Therefore, you and I can trust that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to rescue us from trials, even the threat of false teachers. Second, judgment awaits the unrighteous who reject the truth of the gospel to indulge in fleshly passions and defy the authority or the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the only path to righteousness. He truly is the Lord of all creation. As Adonai, he possesses an ultimate and sovereign authority over all things external to himself. Believers are his servants. He reigns over the lives of those he has redeemed or bought for himself with his own precious blood. Apart from him, we all stand condemned. Because the false teachers reject him and blaspheme or curse him, they spiral downward into total depravity. They will be judged by God with a dreadful judgment. Eternal existence separated from God and all that he is. This means in hell, there is nothing good, nothing loving, nothing kind, and nothing beautiful. In hell, there is no light, only unrelenting, gloomy darkness. How much better it is to follow the light of the world, Jesus Christ. He suffered and died on the cross to save us from the eternal damnation our sin earns us. Do not leave a vacuum in your mind for false teachers to fill with their lies. Fill your mind with the deep knowledge of Christ that is revealed in his word. Such knowledge will help you recognize and rebuff destructive false teaching. This gives us our first truth. False teaching is recognized and rebuffed by a deep knowledge of Christ revealed in the absolute truth of his word. How quickly do you recognize false teaching? Do you know how to respond to the lies false teachers spew? Pastor and theologian Ray Stedman says that even the weakest believer holds in his hands all that the mightiest saint ever possessed. That is the theme of 2 Peter's opening chapter. Remember 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3, it says that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Believers recognize and rebuff false teachers by deepening their knowledge of Christ revealed in the absolute truth of God's word. False teachers 
are usually intellectually superior to their audience. They often have strong, charismatic personalities and are skilled in the art of persuasion. They fuel this age of skepticism by leading the chorus, ridiculing the truths of Scripture, especially with regard to morality and holiness. We must not only recognize their false teachings, we must rebuff it, reject it, spurn it, discourage it, and flee from it. We can only do that if we have a deep knowledge of Christ as it is revealed in the absolute truth of his word. What a motivation to continue digging deep into God's word, looking for the revelation of his character, his promises, and his warnings. False teaching aims to destroy God's truth, and one of the ways it does so is by promising the freedom to live as we please. This is a false freedom. That is the topic of our next division, 2 Peter chapter 2, the last part of verse 10 through verse 22. Now in the last part of verse 10 through verse 16, Peter further describes the false teachers. In verses 10 through 11, he says they are bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. When Peter says the false teachers are bold and willful, he means they are arrogant, full of pride, they want to be in control, so they refuse to submit to God's authority. Their arrogance is so great. They have no fear of speaking against or blaspheming the glorious ones. Scholars differ on the identity of the glorious ones. They might be evil spiritual beings, angelic beings, or even God's messengers like Peter, since the word angel simply means messenger. In any case, commentators Matthew Harmon and John Sloat say that the failure of the false teachers to tremble in the presence of such powerful beings suggests that like the fallen angels, the false teachers see little difference between God and themselves. This is in stark contrast to the angels in verse 11 who are great in power but do not speak a judgment against them. The arrogance of the false teachers is such that they gladly do what powerful angels will not usurp the role of God by pronouncing judgment. In verses 12 through 13, Peter gives four more descriptions of the false teachers. He says that they are like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. 
like animals. These teachers are slaves to animalistic instincts. Though they have no true knowledge of the one true God, they speak against him, blaspheming about things of which they're ignorant. This ignorance of God and his truth leads them to act according to their depraved nature. They illustrate the doctrine of total depravity, a doctrine which describes the unmeritoriousness of man before God because of the corruption of original sin that eventually extends to all aspects of man's nature. The depraved nature of the false teachers made them act like brute animals that lack self-control and are enslaved to every sinful desire. They claim to be experts, but they are ignorant and uninformed. Their self-indulgent lifestyle of revelry is so depraved they party in the daytime. Their fate is utter destruction. This is what their wrongdoing earns them. And unlike the spotless Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world, these teachers are blots and blemishes, animals unfit to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord God Almighty. If that isn't enough to make you shun the attractive message of these false teachers, Peter gives us five more characteristics of who they are. Verses 14 through 16. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Peter says these teachers are sexually immoral with an insatiable hunger for sin. They prey on unsteady souls. These are those who leave a vacuum in their mind because they fail to fill their minds with the truth about Christ. They are ensnared when false teachers with hearts trained in greed cast their bait of immoral pleasures. Rather than training themselves and their followers for godliness, the false teachers actively exercise their love of money. Peter says they are accursed children. They stand condemned by God. Verses 15 through 16 says that they have forsaken the right way, God's way, and gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, a fellow lover of money. Balaam was a pagan prophet for hire. When a large number of Israelites appeared on his horizon, the terrified Moabite king Balak hired Balaam to curse them. But God restrained him, even using a talking donkey to do so. He allowed Balaam to only speak blessings over his people, not curses. 
So Balaam took another path. Revelation chapter 2 verse 14 reveals that Balaam advised Balak to devise a plan to get God's people to change their hearts about God. In this way, they would curse themselves. All the Moabites needed to do was invite the Israelites to share in their feast. Sadly, the Israelites RSVP'd yes to their invitation. They willingly compromised their faith in God to join the pagan orgies of the Moabites. Balaam and Balak successfully tempted the Israelites to engage in idolatrous worship. Balaam serves as a poster child of false teachers. He is the hero of his fellow false teachers, but a dire warning to those who seek God's truth. God's all-encompassing, all-sufficient power is revealed in an ironic twist. He used Balaam, a pagan prophet, to bless his people with the prophecy of the coming of a star, a royal star out of Jacob the Messiah himself, who would triumph over all Israel's enemies, including Balaam. In verses 17 through 22, Peter uses illustrations from nature to further identify the true character of these false teachers. In verse 17, waterless springs and mists driven by a storm illustrate the futility of what the false teachers proclaimed. In the Old Testament, springs of water painted a picture of salvation. The false teachers promised empty or waterless springs that lead to destruction, not salvation. Like a spring that has no water, they could not deliver on what they promised. Mist, likewise, promised the water of rain but the false teachers produce nothing but a passing, foggy haze. The gloom of utter darkness is reserved for them. True believers crave and seek out the living water Jesus provides. They need an ever-deepening knowledge of Him to regularly water their souls and fill their minds. This guards against destructive, false teaching. Verses 18 through 19 pictures these teachers proclaiming freedom while wearing the chains of slavery. Peter says, for speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. These teachers were so unashamed of their foolish ways that they boast about it loudly. They appeal to the sensual passions of the flesh, targeting the most vulnerable, those with a vacuum in their minds. They promise freedom, but are themselves slaves to their own sin and corruption. Their freedom is a false freedom. 
They are unable to deliver on their promises of wealth, love, pleasure, power, and freedom. Instead, following their teaching only further enslaves their victims to sin. This is what Peter concludes in verse 19. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. In verses 20 through 22, Peter addresses apostates, those who once claimed to be followers of Jesus, but fell away from the true gospel by following false teachers. He writes, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. After professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, these apostates turn back to destructive, sinful behavior. They know the truth of the gospel, but now reject it so they can go their own way. This is the tragic story of those who choose faith deconstruction or deconversion. They hunger more for depraved darkness than the light of Jesus Christ. Commentators Harmon and Sloat note that the true gospel and the moral imperatives that flow from it are the only path to righteousness. And those who, after learning about them, still reject them, are even more culpable before God because their sin is not born of ignorance. Those who reject the only path of salvation from sin are beyond saving. They are hopeless, helpless, and without God. Peter ends this passage by reinforcing how false teachers are truly like irrational animals. They are like dogs who return to their own vomit and wash pigs who return to wallow in the mud. They have returned to the same lifestyle they engaged in before they heard and presumably embraced the truth of the gospel, a lifestyle of sin and corruption. False teachers promise a false freedom, which enslaves people to sin and corruption. True freedom is only found in Christ. Our second truth is that false teaching never leads to true freedom because it is only found in Christ. Which freedom are you pursuing? A false freedom or true freedom in Christ? How might a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ 
help you guard against being enslaved to sin and corruption. Does your lifestyle proclaim you follow the sensual way of false teachers or the sacred way of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 that it is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. True biblical freedom frees us from slavery to sin to love and serve Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. We exchange the horrible handcuffs of our sin's bondage for the holy handcuffs of our Savior's blessing. He purchased us for himself. We are forever his. Fill your mind with this truth. True freedom is only found in Christ. What is filling your mind right now? Is it filled to overflowing with the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and all he promises in his word? Or is there still a vacuum in your mind hungering to be filled? Beware, my friends, of what fills your mind. Nature may abhor a vacuum, but false teachers love a vacuum. False teaching abounds in our society today. Half-truths and worldly truth, which is no truth at all, are regularly preached from the pulpits of false teachers. Are you equipped to identify what God deems false and what he deems true? A deep knowledge of Christ guards against destructive false teaching. How will you continue to deepen your knowledge of him? Instead of deconstructing your faith, begin to construct a more solid faith by bolstering your knowledge of the majestic character of Christ revealed in the absolute truth of his word. Begin today and continue your construction project until the day you die. Please pray with me. Almighty God, Lord, our Adonai, to you alone belongs all honor and glory. By the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us so rooted in your truth that we cannot ever be swayed by false teaching. Saturate our souls and fill our minds with the truth of your word. Then move our hearts to passionate intercession for those who are following the ways of this world and all her false doctrines. This we ask in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.